Good morning, everybody. Well, my clock says 11 o'clock, so I guess I have to stop teaching now and do the Lord's something. All right, let's begin by praying. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your perfection, your love, your mercy. We especially praise you and thank you for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your plan for rescuing us by having your Son, your perfect Son, come to earth and die for the sins of the world. And we also thank you, Father, that you raised him from the dead. And we thank you that your policy is grace all the way and is simply believing good news about your son that results in somebody being declared righteous by you and receiving eternal life from you. Today, Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit will guide and direct everything that we'll be participating in today, the singing, the Lord's Supper, the message, and our fellowship with one another. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You could stand now and we'll have a congregation song. All right. Good morning again, everybody. We are going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper at the end of our service today. Reminder, this Thursday, there will not be a Bible study. This Thursday, we won't be having a Bible study. We will have it again, of course, next Thursday, November 16th. All righty. I want to let you know this morning about the fact that in our Bible studies, every Thursday, we also post the notes. That, and basically, it's a teaching summary as well as the scriptures that we use. And it's, again, just on the home page, there's a, there's a, a box called Study Guides. So you can just go there. Whether or not you were able to join us, you know, sometimes people aren't able to, and they can go there to see what we were, what we were studying, or even if you were here and you want to review what we were studying, you can also go there. Although for people that do come, we also have things, we have this posted ahead of time on the website, as well as in the chat, in, um, um, in the chat. <laughs> Where is it? Skype. I was going to say Snapchat. It was S. I'm like, no, it's not Snapchat. Golly. All right. So you hit that box, and then the, the, the current week should be on the top. And again, you can click on that, and then um, you can go, and you'll see that. So this particular week, we happen to have a Q&A question, but usually we just have the scriptures for the week and the teaching summary for the week. So just go there. You can get that. Again, not only is it there for the week that we just finished, but all of them. If you, if you're, if you want to study all 142 lessons that we've had so far in the book of Isaiah, you can also go there and do so. That's only if you're retired and you can't sleep at night. But in any event, or you're writing a book, right? But anyway. Okay, just a reminder too, uh, Grace Bible Church Pakistan once again has its Christmas Care Package fundraiser, and we'll be giving you more details about that. One of the things that is new is that they have several ways on their own website to donate. So we may, we may just let you do that and not have to be a funnel for that ourselves. Okay, so in any event, we'll, we'll come back to you with more information. Today's title comes, as we usually have it, from the passage that we're going to be studying today. The title is, They Have Not Known the Father or Me. We're going to see that that's the the root problem, the root problem behind all the hatred, all the rejection that the world has, not only for Jesus Christ, 
but also for us as his ambassadors and his children, for the Father's children. So if that, if that, at that time, this time, please turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 18. John, chapter 15, verse 18. Give you a moment to get there. All right, let's begin. Verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. Of course, Jesus is speaking. The one who sent him is God the Father. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Now, I want to note briefly that there are two things that he did that, that if he hadn't done, they would not have sinned. And I must want to point out that this is talking about the sin singular, the sin of not believing in him. So if he had never told them who he was, then they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't have the sin of not believing what he said. And if, they had, if he hadn't done the works, the miracles, likewise, they wouldn't have sinned because they wouldn't have anything to believe and have, a, have validated who he was. But, of course, he did come. And he did say and do those things. Verse 26. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you, that you may be kept from stumbling. The things that I've told you about the world, that it hates you, that because it persecuted Jesus, it'll persecute you also, that uh, they didn't believe in him, and that was not only what he said, but also what he did. That was the testimony that they rejected about him. Holy Spirit's going to come to the disciples, and he's going to testify to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, they will be able to testify about him, because you have been with me from the beginning, he says. This is, of course, directed to the disciples, who were literally with him from the beginning of his public ministry. Again, 16, verse 1, These things I have spoken to you, that you may be kept from stumbling. They, this is the world, and we'll see who that is in particular. We saw that last Sunday. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you 
so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Jesus is looking back this morning and he's looking ahead. He's looking back to his own persecutions. <laughs> the persecutions that he endured at the hands of the world. And as we saw last week, he's, he's using the world here in a very particular way, a particular group of people, namely the religious leaders. They were the ones who persecuted him. He's looking back at the persecutions that he had, he had gone through. But now, for the first time, he is now looking forward to the persecutions that his disciples will endure. He is talking specifically, of course, here about the disciples, the 11 that were in that room with him. Notice that he mentions in verse 2 the synagogue. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue. So clearly that's talking about the Jewish followers of Jesus Christ at that time directly. As we've seen so often, there's a direct audience and a direct message that he's giving you know, whether it be earlier on to the, to the Pharisees and the high priests or now to his disciples, that's where we always start. We get in trouble if we forget who the audience is. And, and, and so we have to understand directly what he's saying and what it means to those disciples, those, those Jewish believers in Christ that he selected to be his messenger down the road and to witness everything that he did from the beginning. Now, of course... At the end this morning, we'll make the application because it's clearly um, also talking about not only the disciples, but also the church. Because Paul's going to say something very similar to the church. He's going to say to Timothy, of course, who was an early leader of the church, just like these disciples were early leaders, by the way, of the Jewish church in Jerusalem. Okay, so that's important, by the way, to understand that there's two two groups of messengers that are sent out. One group is sent to the Jews and another person and then his, his compatriots are sent to the Gentiles. That's important to understand too so we don't get in trouble about, well, how come Peter says one thing and then Paul says something else? Well, the reason is, is that Peter and John and James are witnessing to the Jewish people. They have a particular issue when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ because he came as their Messiah. And, and you may wonder sometimes, why is it that, that the gospel that these disciples, right, particularly Peter, John, and James, and even Jesus Christ himself preached, is, has an element to it. And, it. and the element is repentance. Repent and be saved. Whereas Paul doesn't say that. Why would that be? Well, the answer is, we saw it this morning, because of the particular sin that the Jewish nation committed specifically against the Lord Jesus Christ. He came as their Messiah, and they rejected him. They turned away from him. So that a Jew now, when, when faced with the truth now, and especially in the future about Jesus Christ, first of all, has to turn away from that. They went against the Lord. Now they have to turn back and then believe. You see, the Gentiles, that's not the issue for the Gentiles because there's nothing to turn back to. Well, there is, but they didn't turn away from anything. They were just ungodly, but they didn't reject Jesus. They just hear about him and believe. In any event, it's really important to understand that, that, that the Lord deals with Israel in the Old Testament, 
and in the time of Jesus, okay, then they reject Jesus Christ as their king, as their Messiah, and therefore there's a delay, by the way, in God bringing about his plan for the Jews. We're still in that delay now. It's called the church, right? And then, of course, when that's done, now that, that program for Israel will start again, of course, and that's the tribulation as well as the second coming. And at the second coming, they will realize that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. And they'll do it at the last moment because they're about to get wiped out again. And then they will realize it. They'll call out. He'll come back in his second coming. He'll rescue the Jewish people, the remnant. They'll all be believers at that time because the unbelievers have already been dealt with and they enter into the kingdom and every Jew at that point is a believer in Jesus Christ. The Bible actually says that their children, their descendants will also all be believers. Isn't that something? That's the promise to Israel. You know, we look this morning at what's going on right now in Israel. And we look at it and we say, that bears absolutely no resemblance to God's promises to them. Right? Why? Because it's not time for that yet. It's not time for that yet. Okay, God is still working things out. He's completing the church. The church is meant to stimulate jealousy in, the, in, in Jewish people so that more will believe in Christ now. So much easier to believe in Christ now if you're a Jewish person than to wait for the tribulation period to do it. Because that's going to be a time of, we'll see this at the end, greater persecution than you that ever happened before. Even what's happening now. The level of what's going to happen in the tribulation period is stunning. Okay, Even compared to what we've seen historically at any point in time. Okay. So, again, let's, let's read chapter 16, verses 1 to 4 again. These things I have spoken to you, his Jewish disciples, that you may be kept from stumbling. There's a lot that's about to hit that will cause them to, be, to stumble. By the way, at first, they will stumble. All right? they, they'll all run and be afraid. Just, just one person, John, will remain at the cross. Okay, Peter's going to deny him. There's a lot of stumbling about to happen. But he's saying, listen, I want you to remember all of this. You're going to need to know these things so that you won't keep stumbling. Verse 2, they will make you outcast from the synagogue. Just like they threw Jesus out from the synagogue, right? He went to the synagogue in, in, in Nazareth, his hometown, and he preached from the book of Isaiah, said, listen, that has been fulfilled in me. Right? What Isaiah said about the Messiah, Amit, right? And they threw him out. And he said, well, if, if, he, if they threw out the master, they're going to throw out the servants. So be ready is what he's saying. They will make you outcast from the synagogue. But an hour is coming. And it's coming very, very soon. When what? Everyone who kills you will think that he is offering service to God. There's the wickedness of religion right there. We, talk, we studied that last week that people will actually commit the greatest kinds of evil and actually think that they're serving God in so doing. I mean, if you just look at history, you've seen examples of that again and again and again and again and again, both for the church and as we're seeing now in the Middle East for the Jewish people, right? I mean, the Muslim religion thinks that the greatest way of serving their false god is to be a martyr in the cause of destroying God's people. And they think they're serving God. Right? And we've seen historically the same thing has happened to the church. 
You know, we had the, we had the Inquisition, for example, where they wiped out Jews and they wiped out Protestants all in what they thought was serving their God. I say their God because they have another Jesus, by the way, in the Catholic Church. Okay. Well, that's enough of that, but I want you to understand that he, what he said came true over and over again. We'll see that in the Word of God at the end today, too. But notice again the root cause. Look at verse 3. These things they will do, will do what? Throw you out of the synagogue, thinking that they're serving God when they kill you. These things they will do for one reason, because they have not known the Father or me. They haven't known the Father or me. You see, if you don't know God the Father, you're capable of just about anything. Let me think about that. If you don't know Jesus Christ, and it doesn't mean that you've heard of him. It means that, like, like the Old Testament says, not let, not, don't let a mighty man boast of his might, right? Or a wise man boast of his wisdom, but boast that they know and understand me, right? That's, that is the whole key. There's salvation in no one else but Jesus Christ, okay? So he's saying... All of this that I'm telling you is going to happen is for one reason, ultimately, because they don't know the Father, God, and they don't know me, the Savior. Verse 4, but these things I have spoken to you, so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. He kept saying throughout his public ministry that the hour has not yet come, because I'm still in my public ministry. He says, how many hours of daylight are there, right? While it's still day, we can still work. But when night comes, the hour of nightfall, then everything's different. Again, Jesus is looking back to the persecutions that he endured, that he suffered. And now he's looking ahead to the persecutions that his disciples will endure. And we saw last week, please turn again this morning to Luke chapter 19, verse 47. Actually, I jumped the gun. Hold your place there. Let's go back to John 15. I should have had a slide in there. See, sometimes I just say, hey, you know, they're already in John 15, so they can just stay. But I want you to go back there now because I want you to see there's a really important verse about what Jesus is doing, looking back to his persecutions, looking ahead to the persecutions that the disciples will endure. Look at verse 20 of John 15. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. Notice, if they persecuted me, and they did, it's going to go, we're going to go back this morning and see a couple examples of that. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you in the future. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Now, now, last Sunday, we saw that Jesus was not speaking about the world of unbelievers in general here. Rather, he was talking about a particular group, namely the religious leaders in Jerusalem. That's why I want you to go to Luke chapter 19, now verse 47. When he's talking about the world, when he talks about they're going to be thrown out of the synagogue, and that everyone who kills them will think they're offering service to God, He's talking about the religious leaders because they're the ones who did it. Right? We're going to go in a little while to the book of Acts and you'll see examples of that. Right? 
book of Acts because that's when you know, Jesus is in heaven at the very beginning and now they're on earth they're facing the persecution but just like Jesus that persecution is going to come from the religious leaders so let's look at Luke 19:47 to see who persecuted Jesus during his public ministry verse 47 he was teaching daily in the temple but the chief priests and the scribes and the leading men among the people were trying to destroy him who the chief priests and the scribes and the leading men among the people, those are the elders, they were trying to destroy him. So again, I'll repeat this from last week, it was the chief priests and Pharisees, it was the religious leaders who persecuted Jesus. Not the common person. The religious leaders. And the examples I gave you this morning is the same thing. You know, if you think about what is motivating Hamas and Hezbollah, it's the religious leaders in Iran and in their own midst who are egging them on. When I talked about the Inquisition, it wasn't the everyday Catholic person. It was the, it was the head of the church, right? The Pope was sponsoring that at the time, through, I mean, through his minions. But uh, anyway, we won't get into that anymore. But it's religious leaders, okay, who persecuted Jesus. And he's going to say this morning, that's the same people that are going to persecute the disciples, like he said in John eighteen twenty, John fifteen eighteen to twenty one. Go back now, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter fifteen, verse eighteen. Because just like the religious leaders persecuted Jesus, it's the same, going to be the same thing. He's going to talk about the world, but he's really specifically talking about religious leaders, religion. Look at John 15, 18. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. The world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. He's telling disciples that the world hates them. But not only that, here we also see the root cause, the root cause of that hatred. And I mentioned this already. He traces back all the hatred, all the persecution to one thing. The world's hatred for him and his father, for him and his name. That's where it all comes from. Okay. Now, if you think about it, okay, they, they didn't know the father. That was the ultimate thing. That's why it goes all the way back. Right? John 18, 21, we just read. They didn't know God the father. Think about that for a minute, though. Okay, they did not know God, the Father. In other words, the real God. Here also is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, 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 the ones who started the Jewish nation. Right? Jacob is Israel. Right? He, he's the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Right? They, so if they don't know Jesus' Father, they don't know him either. They don't know God. Even the God they claim to worship, they don't know at all. Or Jesus. They don't know the Father, the one who sent Jesus. That's shocking when you think about it. 
the, the chosen people that God picked to represent him in the world, the ones that he taught everything to about who he was in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written to the Jewish people. Okay, So they knew all the things. If you think about all the things we learn about God in the Old Testament, God gave that to them in particular. And they rejected it all. Right? Why? Because they rejected Jesus Christ, ultimately. They did it a lot along the way. Why? Because they worshipped another God. You know, whether it was the idols that they worshipped in the Old Testament or who Jesus tells this generation, this generation of leaders who they're worshipping. What did he say? He said, they did not know me, but the root cause is the fact that they didn't know God the Father or me. And he said, why? Because they worshipped another God. They didn't know Jesus, Father. Why? Because they were too busy worshipping their own father. Their own father was the devil. Now, you might say, well, that's a shocking statement to make. That when you look at religious leaders, that their God is the devil. But it's true, okay? Their God is the God of this world. Now, if you don't believe me, look at John chapter 8, verse 42. John chapter 8, verse 42. No, it's not hard to tie what's going on with the, with the Muslim extremists to the devil, but make no mistake, okay, that principle is true of religious leaders generally. And, and a lot of them are a lot more subtle, right? Why? Because devil's subtle, right? He, the whole issue is deception. Outwardly, right, they look like one thing, sheep. Inwardly, they look like wolves. And see, it's important to take these things to heart so that we're not fooled. Because no matter what people say, no matter what nice things they may say, if, it, if they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God, and that he is God in the flesh, and that his death on the cross and that alone is the answer, the remedy for sin, if they don't believe that, then they're worshiping another Jesus. And, and they're under the influence of the God of this world because he hates Jesus and he'll use subtlety and deception and half-truths to try to draw people away from who Jesus is. John eight forty two. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, now he's talking to the religious leaders of Jerusalem. He says, if God were your father, if you knew him, you would love me. Why? For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Jesus Christ is the person that, that manifested who God is in all his fullness and grace and truth and mercy and love and righteousness and justice. It's all there in the person of Jesus Christ. So he says, if they reject me, if they hate me, they're rejecting God. They're rejecting God the Father. Verse 43, why? What's the root cause here? Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. Why? Because, verse 44, you are of your father the devil. John Farley isn't saying that anymore. Jesus is. You are of your father the devil. 
And you want to do the desires, you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer. Here are the desires that they're doing, right? You want to do this, the same thing that your father, the devil, wants to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Because he speaks the truth, they reject him. You see, he he spoke the truth and they rejected him. He performed miracles and they rejected him. Why? Because their father, okay, their, their father's all about lies, not the truth. They're going to reject somebody with the truth because they want to do the desires of their father, which is to live in the big's lies. That's what they want to do. Not only that, but Jesus came and demonstrated by his works who he was, the miracles that he performed. They reject that. And instead, what they perform is murder. It's very clear in the word of God. Very clear. Okay, let's go back now to our passage and keep going. John chapter 15, verse 22. John 15, 22. Why would people, religious leaders, particularly the religious leaders in Jerusalem, think that when they kill the disciples of Jesus Christ, they were offering service to God? Because that's what their God is like. Right? Not the real God. But their God's a murderer. They're going to be murderers. John 15, 22 to 25. If, they had, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Right? Similarly, okay, when, when, when a person hears the gospel, okay, now he has the opportunity to believe in the solution for sin. Right? So if they reject that truth, there's nothing left. Okay? If I had not done the works, the miracles, which no one else did. Remember we saw, for example, that he healed a man that was born blind, never had been done before, that a man born blind had been given sight. He did works no one else did. Any reasonable person would take a look at that. And understand, this is no mere mortal here. But because they worshiped the God of this world, they hated who he was when he performed the miracles. Okay? Because they have no answer for it. As a matter of that, that, if you, we looked at that, that. They couldn't, they never refuted the fact that he performed miracles. They just wanted to say, well, he's doing that, interestingly, according to the devil, when in fact he's doing it according to the will of God. And they were doing what they were doing because of the devil. It's kind of, it, there's a deception, right? In a small way, we see that all the time. That people accuse you of doing the very things they're doing. Right? Why? Take, to take the uh, focus off them and what they're doing wrong and try to pin it on you. All right? Not that you're perfect or anything. Right? Okay. But, of course, the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. You say, we know we're sinners. Okay? But Jesus Christ and his blood has dealt with that. And therefore, there's no condemnation for we who are in Christ Jesus. Who is it that will bring a charge against God's elect? And the answer is only the devil, ultimately. Okay. 
in any event. So again, Jesus is reflecting back on his public ministry, and he teaches them, if, they had, if I had not come and spoken to them, religious leaders in particular, they would ha- not have sinned, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the miracles which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their law. That's how we, how we know we are, they're the Jewish leaders here. They hated me without a cause. By the way, that's exactly what anti-Semitism is, by the way. It's hatred without a cause. I mean, that's the only explanation that I can have for those 100,000 people that are protesting in Washington, D.C., for example. All right? There's no cause for that. I mean, if you look at the nation of Israel, if you look at the Jewish people, okay, you can tell that they're God's people. Okay? I mean, they've survived all of these things. The, the, the nation of Israel okay, is a, is a Western-style... Dem- uh, but there's no reason for that other than they're energized by the devil to do that. They hated me without a cause. So again, we see that Jesus is looking back on his ministry to the Jews. That's from chapter 2 to chapter 12 of the Gospel of John. And he's thinking about the things that happened to him at the hands of the chief priests and Pharisees and how they hated him and his father for no reason at all. Now let's let's go back ourselves and look at this persecution that Jesus suffered at the hands of the religious leaders. Look at John chapter 15, 5, verse 15. John 5, verse 15. John 5, 15. Now, here's a, here's a perfect example of why it is they have said. Why? Because Jesus tells them who he is, and Jesus performs a miracle, Okay? This is the miracle of the man that couldn't walk, being, being given the ability to walk. Okay? And then notice verse 15. That man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. There's the miracle. For this reason, what? The works that he performed, that reason the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. I mean... <laughs> Religious people will find any excuse in the book to persecute God's people. Any excuse. He was working on the Sabbath. Okay. Verse 17, but he answered them, my father's working until now, and I myself am working. For this reason, verse 18, why? Because he also said who he is. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but was also calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. I want to point out, as I always do, in verse 18, that John refers to the religious leaders in Jerusalem as the Jews. This is not an indictment of all Jews. This is an indictment of the religious leaders in Jerusalem, seeking all the more to kill him. That's persecution. Go forward to John chapter 7, verse 32. John seven thirty two. Look who it always is, right? Look at John seven thirty two. Verse 
the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the adulterers heard the crowd and wanted to seize Jesus. Is that, is that, is that what this says? No. Notice what it says. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, heard the crowd muttering these things about him. In context, they were wondering if he was the Messiah or not, right? There's the truth. And the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to seize him. That's who it always is. If you you want to see Jesus being persecuted, you'll always look around and you'll see the religious leaders there, whether it's the Pharisees, the scribes, the chief priests, whoever. It's all the religious leaders that want to persecute him. One more. Go to John chapter 19, verse 6. It gets worse. John 19, 6. Jesus is seized, finally, in the garden of Gethsemane, and he's brought before Pilate, ultimately. There's one group there that is vociferously, hatefully, again and again, trying to persecute Jesus to the max. They've, all, they've been wanting to kill him for a long time. And now they see him before the one person who can put him to death, Pilate. And do they open their eyes and say, you know what? We've seen all his miracles. We've heard his words. He really is the Son of God. We've got to stop this. Not at all. John 19, 6. Once again, who is it? The chief, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify crucify. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. That was the, that was the only legitimate judge right at that time was Pilate. What was his verdict? I find no guilt in him. So, so it's, not, it's not always the Gentile leaders that do it. I mean, there's an example of a Gentile, Pilate, and he didn't, he said, no, I find no guilt in him. On the other hand, it's his own religious leaders in, in, in Jerusalem that scream out, crucify, crucify. That's, that's what we're talking about. Of course, ultimately, we, all, we know, right, from the revelation that goes on later on, that all of us were responsible for Jesus Christ being crucified. It wasn't just them. Okay? But at that time, the individuals that were, that were persecuting him were the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Okay, let's go back to our passage. John chapter 16, verse 1. John 16, verse 1. See, we're looking at, first of all, we're looking at all the persecution that Jesus suffered at the hands of religious leaders, the chief priests and the Pharisees. Now Jesus changes who he's looking at. He changes really from the mostly the past to the future. He's changing from his persecution to the persecution that his disciples are going to go through. John 16, 1. These things I've spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. They, now again, now that we've seen who they is, right? the religious leaders will also make you outcasts from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he's offering service to God. You know, I'm thinking, for example, of Martin Luther. You know, just to kind of give a sense of this later on, right? 
They threw him out of the church. They wanted to kill him. They will make you outcast from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I've spoken to you so that when their hour comes, you will remember that I told you of them, the religious leaders. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Now Jesus is looking forward to the persecution that awaits the disciples at the hands of these religious men. He says, they will make you, the disciples, outcasts from the synagogue. They will kill some of them. And thinking they're serving God when they do so. Of course, as we've seen, they're not serving God. The Father, they really will be serving their God, the liar and the murderer. And here again, Jesus puts his finger on the real problem. They They do not know God the Father or his son, Jesus Christ, their Messiah, their Lord. They knew nothing about him. That's the issue. I hope you can see the importance, by the way, of the gospel that we preach. Because the world knows nothing about him either. Nothing. Okay, They're blind, right? They're dead in their trespasses and sins. What is it that God has given us to rescue them from that? And it's very simple. It's the word of God. It's, it's, it's shining a light on who God is. You know, there are times in the, in the particular Gospel of John where the issue is believing God, the Father. Now, why would that be? Because God the Father is the one that revealed Jesus Christ. He's the one that said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, right? Everything that Jesus said, he said because God the Father told him to. God the Father came up with the plan for Jesus Christ to die for the sins of the world. So when they're rejecting Jesus, they're also rejecting God the Father. But notice again, it's the Word. The Word of God okay, is powerful and alive. To why? So that they, people will not be ignorant any longer. Okay. That's the real problem. Now, the Bible also records, not only did we see the Bible recording that Jesus was persecuted, it turns out that the Bible also records how the prediction Jesus gave about the persecution of his disciples also came to pass. And we're going to look at that now in the book of Acts. If you could please turn to the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 40. The book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 40. What happened when the apostles preached Jesus? How did the religious leaders take that? Look at Acts chapter 5, verse 40. They took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them, they whipped them, and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. What was it that really set them off? The name of Jesus. (laughs) That doesn't just mean the the two syllables. It's actually three syllables in the Greek. No, not, not simply the text, but that represented who he is. You know, the word, the name Jesus mean, means Savior, right? They rejected the Savior. They rejected the fact that he told them, I am the Messiah. They rejected that name for him, right? They said, not only that, we don't even want you to speak about him. And that's the same issue today. You know, you, you can go to the public schools and talk about Muhammad or talk about 
Hinduism or anything. But if you open your mouth and say Jesus, then you'll get persecuted in the public sphere now. It's, it's horrible, but it's true. Still the same issue. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released him. Who? Verse 41. So they went on their way from the presence of the council. That's who it was, the Sanhedrin. Rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Look at Acts chapter 14, verse 19, because it wasn't just Peter and, and the apostles in Jerusalem. It was also the apostle to the Gentiles. Now you might say, wait a minute. The apostle to the Gentiles? Well, then he must have gotten his persecution from the Gentiles because he's the apostle to the Gentiles. But no. I mean, he got a little bit later on. But the most, the greatest resistance, the most hatred that he got it was the same thing. The Jewish religious leaders. Look at Acts chapter 14, verse 19. But Jews, these are the Jewish leaders now, came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. They will think that they're serving God when they try to kill God's apostles, Jesus Christ's apostles. Look at Acts, finally, look at Acts 25, verse 14. Acts 25, verse 14. You know, the, the Judaizers, all right, they were religious leaders that were telling Christians that unless you keep the law of Moses, you won't be saved. Right? We still have that today. We still have people who are saying you have to repent of your sins. And you know what? If you don't live a good life afterwards, then you're not saved. You have to do this and that. You have to go. Now, it's different. A lot of, lot of Lordship Salvation people will say, you know, if you're not going to church and reading your Bible, you're not really saved. Well, that's not the gospel, right? The gospel is simply believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. Verse 14 of Acts 25. While they were spending many days there, Festus laid Paul's case before the king. These are the, these are the, rule, the, the governmental rulers, the political rulers, not the religious ones. There is a man who was left as a prisoner by Felix. And when I was at Jerusalem, here we go again, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews brought charges against Paul. They're the ones who asked for a sentence of condemnation against him. Why? Because he was preaching in the name of Jesus. Jesus also predicted, by the way, that this persecution will get even worse, will get even worse in the end times, in the end times. For example, look at Mark chapter 13. Go back to Mark chapter 13, verse 9. Mark 13, verse 9. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you to the courts, and you'll be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. When they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, 
and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. You can see a similar passage in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, all talking about the end times. Okay, so that's looking back to the life of Jesus and how he was persecuted, looking at the apostles and how they were persecuted, looking at the end times, and once again, there will be persecution. Now, there's, But there's one other thing. Now we have to make the application to us, to the church. We have to see what, what's going to happen and what has happened. Please turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Second Timothy three ten. Because Paul now, of course, he's the apostle to the Gentiles. It was it was through him that Jesus Christ revealed the mystery of the church. Second Timothy is written at the very end of Christ of, of Paul's life, very end, last book that he writes, and he's and he's talking to Timothy, who's now going to take up the mantle right of being the, being a leader in the church once Paul is executed. And what does Paul tell Timothy? Same thing. He says you're going to you, you're going to be persecuted as a good soldier of Christ, as a Christian leader now. You will be persecuted. It's the same thing. Again, look at Second Timothy 3, where you are now. Now you have followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance. Are those the kind of things that people ought to be persecuted for? For patience, for love, for perseverance? Oh, they are. They are. Look, verse 11. Persecutions and sufferings. What is he saying? He's saying, you've been there. You've, I've taught you. You've seen how I conduct myself. You've seen that my purpose is to, is to get the gospel to the Gentiles. You have, you have seen my faith and trust in the Lord. Right? He's crucified with Christ after all. And the life he lives, he lives by faith in the Son of God. Patience and love, the fruit of the Spirit. Perseverance, hanging in there. And then persecutions in verse 11 and sufferings. Now, Timothy was there for these sufferings. He saw them firsthand. He's, he, he, the persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord rescued me. That's the other side. The other side is, yes, we're going to go through persecution. But as Jesus said, in the world, you will suffer. But don't worry, because I've overcome the world. That's the the hope that we have. And what happens to us, there will come a day when we will be glorified in our resurrection bodies and there's nothing the devil or anybody else can do about it and we'll never be without the love of Christ no matter what happens to us. There's nothing greater than that, right? Then here's, here's, here's unfortunately, well, not really unfortunately, but the truth. Verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 
Now we're no longer talking about the disciples. We're no longer talking about the end times. We're talking about the church. It says the same thing. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And it'll get worse as time goes on. Look at verse 13. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You will. I will. But thank God that Paul also told Timothy what to do about it. And that's verses 14 to 17. We're going to end here. You, Timothy, however, simply continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of. That's how we're kept from stumbling. Continue in the word of God. Continue applying and living in. Continue to abide in the love of Christ. Continue to forgive one another. Continue to repeat to one another the truth and the great hope that we have. Continue to, to what, what Peter says, that when you're persecuted, you're blessed. Right? Continue. Put those things in your head and, and remind one another of them. Continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned them. And that from childhood, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16. Here it is. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That, that is how we get through this. Right? The scriptures inspired by God, the teaching, the reproof, the correction, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. We just keep on doing what the Lord told us to do, right? Without, we work with our hands so we may have something to share. We speak truth to one another. We simply do what the word of God has to say for us. And that's how we get through all of that and experience the love of God on, like, like you've never experienced it before. When you're going through something and you understand that what you've learned really works to get you through it and actually brings you to a place of more joy, if, that's, if you can imagine Right? When you're persecuted, you will have more joy. And that can't be a worldly thing. It can only be by means of the Spirit. And it's just another understanding and, 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 and experience, really, of eternal life. So they're not going to beat you. Right? But, but in order to be there and really understand what's happening, you've got to keep turning to the Scriptures. And so that's, that's, where, we, that's where we end off this morning. It's the same thing. It's the word of God. It's the word of God that will preserve you and strengthen you and perfect you. All right, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning. We thank you that even when we hear something that we don't want to hear necessarily about persecution, we know that you've got a perfect solution to that. You will deliver us from any one of those things, either by life or by death. If you want us to be around longer, you'll deliver us to life. If you want us to be with you, you'll deliver us to death. But whether we're living or dying, we're doing it for Christ, hopefully, and we can't lose. We thank you for this. We ask now to help, please prepare our hearts for celebrating the Lord's Supper. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
right. At this time, please make sure that you do the thing that I have such a hard time with, which is pulling that lid off. Oh, good. I'm not the only one. <laughs> the trick is to do it before service, but I forgot. You guys have an advantage because you don't have to keep talking. You can just look at it. And, you know, I have to find like seconds when you're not looking. It's when you're turning to scriptures, like, okay, how's my chance? All right. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 10, we read this. Let it be known to all of you. This is Peter now preaching at that time. To all of you and to all the people of Israel. Notice that Peter's preaching to the Jewish people. But by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. See, there's the gospel. You'll always find the gospel, no matter where you look. Okay, you, You'll find it dozens of times in the New Testament, particularly the book of Acts and the writings of Paul. Maybe hundreds of times. I, I never stopped to count. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man, miracle, by the way, is performed on this man, by this name, Jesus Christ, this man stands before you in good health. Why? Verse 11. Because he, Jesus Christ, is the stone which was rejected by you. That, of course, was talking about the fact that, same thing, that Jesus Christ came as the, as the rock, the Savior, the Messiah, and he was rejected by the nation as a whole, the leaders. By you, the builders, by which became the chief cornerstone. And then verse 12, importantly, and there's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Right? Every knee will bow and every tongue will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. There's no other name by which anybody can be saved than Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Savior who died for them. It's, it's this, really, that we proclaim when we eat the bread and drink the cup. We proclaim that Jesus Christ was crucified for the sins of the world, and we proclaim that God raised him from the dead, and there is salvation in no one else. There's only one way to heaven. There is only one mediator between God and man. No one comes to the Father but through Jesus. For I received from the Lord, Paul writes, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is my body. When he was on the cross, God the Father poured all the sins of the world into his body. And the wrath of God came upon Christ bearing our sins. Not because of who he was. The wrath came upon sin. And his blood, his death on the cross, was the complete sacrifice for all the sins of the world. That's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper with the bread and the cup. Because of his body and his blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. All right, reminders as we close today. All right, we won't have Bible study this Thursday. We will have it again next Thursday, the 16th. By the way, speaking of, um, speaking of uh, Thursday evenings um, and speaking of Sunday mornings, if you ever have any questions about our series, whether it's Isaiah or John, Remember, you can always email them to me, and that's my email, pastor at lbible.org, pastor.lbible.org. Now, I said specifically the Gospel of John and the book of Isaiah, right? right? Don't ask me if Adam had a belly button. Don't ask me who I'm voting for next November. Please stick with what we're studying now. Well, don't get me wrong. If you have another question about the Bible, I will try to answer it, but I'm particularly interested in making sure that you understand the things that we're looking at now, both in the Gospel of John and in the prophet Isaiah. You can also remember, submit your prayer requests on our website. Please do that. Okay? Um, I have to say that my memory is not as great as it used to be. What I mean by that is, you know, sometimes when you ask me to pray, um, and it's maybe on a Friday, oh, no, it won't be a Friday, a Sunday, you know, and I can't write it down right away. You know, my memory. But if you send us a prayer request, then we've got no excuse. It's right there in writing. It's a great invention, writing, by the way. It really is. It's a lifesaver when your memory isn't what it used to be. And then finally, um, donations and giving. Remember, quite simply, that we, we give, all of us, me, you, everybody, right? we are to give. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. We are to give give with that motivation, with the joy that we have at, at what God's done for us through the person of Christ and the joy we can have when we give to others, okay? Particularly, you know, to give, by the way, particularly we're asked to give to needy Christians. Did you, you know, I mean, that's something, if you go to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 and look at the context, that's it. The poor in Jerusalem, right? But not just that, obviously, too, um, as individuals did um, in the life of Jesus and the life of Paul um, to, to also support and enable the continuance of the com- communication and teaching of God's word in the gospel. And of course, we try to combine that with the missionaries, right? That, uh, that the idea of giving to them is not just to take care of lepers, though that's called for, but also to have the gospel spread, for example, in India. Okay. And, and here, you know, we have a great need in this country for the truth to get out there. I mean, there is such ignorance today of who God is, of who Christ is. 
And they're not going to get that from the world. They're not going to get that from television. They're not going to get that from the newspapers. They're not going to get it in the public schools. There's one place, and that's the church, the pillar of truth. Never forget that. All right, let's close. Heavenly Father, thank you again today for the fullness of what you've prepared for us here and that we've enjoyed, even though it's difficult news at times to understand the realities of the world and persecution. We know that that's, you've set that all up. You've allowed it to happen because you can work through that, that there's nothing that we're ever going to face that will separate us from your love. There's, there's nothing that, that you haven't prepared for. We know that all things ultimately are working together for good. And so we just want to praise you even in that. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.